Welcome to the United Basketball and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Smith. Special thanks to our sponsor, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish has been with us since the beginning. They have a great product. I got a Dr. Dish last season, and my players love it. They get so many shots up in the morning before school and after school. Mention the United Basketball and Leadership Podcast and receive $300 off one of their shooting machines. Also, our newest sponsor, Interpro Sports, they have a great app to make sure your players get the best workout with no matter what equipment they have. Go to interpro.com, schedule a demo, and this can be a real game changer for your program. A few weeks ago, we had the Peach State Coaches Clinic in Georgia. We had five great speakers, Gene Durden, Heath Esslinger, Mark Price, Joe Dix, and John Shulman. We had five great sessions with on-the-floor demonstration, and I'm just going to give Heath Esslinger a plug. His session on inviting parents on the journey was one of the best sessions I've heard in six years of doing clinics. You can purchase the clinic at unitedbasketball.podia.com. That's unitedbasketball.podia.com. Put in the coupon code UNITEDPODCAST and receive $10 off. The Hoosier Gym Coaches Clinic is right around the corner. August 27th and 28th, Phil Beckner, Rob Jones, Mark Cossio, Tyler Costin, and many more. You can pre-register at unitedbasketballclinics.com and take advantage of our early bird discounts. We're giving a really good discount, and it's good till July 15th. Well, guys, again, thanks for joining us. Now, let's get to the podcast. All right, guys, I want to welcome Coach Chris Kreider. He's with Georgia State University, which literally just about 90 minutes from me or less, uh, coming on to talk about growing as an assistant coach. How you doing, Coach? Great, Matt. I appreciate the opportunity tonight. Looking forward to it. Yeah, thanks for doing this. You and I connected years ago. I'll- when you were at Rice, I was thinking I was trying to bring a, bring a coaching clinic to Houston, and you and I were, were connecting about that. And then the hurricane came through, and everything got canceled. That's, that's right. That's been that's a few right. years, but you and I did connect through some texts and things back then. And then then you moved to Atlanta, and again, I, I'm Northwest Georgia, so so now we're close to each other. Um, well, let's just dive into being an assistant coach. How many years have you been a, a college assistant now? Yeah, you're going to get me on the math. I'd have to go through and count it. Uh, I know I'm going into my 20th year of coaching. I've been mostly an assistant coach other than a few years at St. Francis High School in Alpharetta. Uh, Coached on the girls' side for a year and coached on the boys' side. So I had two years of head coaching experience. But other than that, I've been an assistant coach. So, um, yeah, just just always tried to – you know, get better as an assistant. I think it's like anything else. The more you do it, the more experience you get, you know, the the more you can improve. And you've been all over from Georgia Mason. You were at Tech. You were down at Georgia Southern. You were at Rice. Now you're back in Atlanta. Like, you've really moved around around the country. Um, how, how difficult is it to, you know, move every few years as an assistant coach, or is that just kind of expected as part of the job? Yeah, I think it goes into, you know, when you choose this uh, coaching lifestyle, you know, it is part of everyone's journey to an extent. Sometimes we're more fortunate uh, to stay in, a, you know, one place uh, a longer period of time. And sometimes it works out differently. But I think, you know, for myself, uh, I've been very fortunate to not only work a lot of places, but work for some really cool 
uh, at really some really cool schools and for some really good people. And uh, I think as an assistant coach, that's, you know, as we start talking here, that's the most important thing. You want to surround yourself with good people. And that starts at the top, you know, with the head coach and, you know, continues on to, to the rest of the coaching staff and support staff. But as an assistant, uh, yeah, it's just all about, you know, learning what job, every job's different. You know, you mentioned Rice, you mentioned George Mason and VMI and Georgia Southern and all these. So every job's different and every level is different. And you just try to learn the job and hit the ground running and uh, just try to improve every day. Yeah, right now you're with Coach Rob Lanier. And I remember when he was at Tennessee, he was kind of a hot name out there and really well respected in Georgia already. He's kind of put his stamp down in, in his uh, what second year now. He just finished his second year. Yes, sir. Going into year three. What's it like working with uh, Coach Lanier? I mean, as he came from a Power Five school and now at Georgia State, but what's your relationship like with him, and what drew you to uh, Georgia State? Yeah, Coach Lanier. Uh, you know, as a staff here going into year three, you and I were talking before we started this. I think, uh, you know, we're just excited about where we're going as a program, and uh, you know, in recruiting, it comes up a lot as you know he talks about his connection with Coach Warren, one of our other assistants, uh, Coach Hayes, Jarvis Hayes, who played in the mm -hmm. NBA. You know, a lot of your listeners will know him. And so what's awesome about it is just, you know, we all, we're passionate about what we do. We're all in it for the right reasons. And we're all here at Georgia State now. And I know five, 10 years ago, none of us, you know, you never know where you're going to be. And this this game has taken us all different places. And uh, I think as an assistant, you're you're working with guys and you're going through this journey and trying to collect as much information and improve as a coach and improve as a leader to where now being here at Georgia State, what I'm you know just so thankful for having an opportunity to come home. My wife uh, is from Atlanta. We have a six year old daughter, almost six years old here in a couple of weeks and uh, nothing like being home. I'm from Pennsylvania, but consider, you know, Atlanta home now being here so long. But you know, just for us as a staff, Coach Lanier, uh, he empowers us as assistants. And I think that's a big thing for assistant coaches. You know, when you're given responsibility and you're given the freedom to work and be yourself and, you know, held to standards uh, and, and encouraged to improve. And uh, but when you're supported by your head coach, it just makes the biggest difference in the world. And, you know, I've learned so much from Coach Lanier and uh, I've learned so much from Coach Warren, who I mentioned. Uh, you know, I actually met Coach Warren a long time ago when I played back in Pennsylvania. He was an assistant coach at Mount St. Mary's, and uh, he's the all-time winningest coach at Jacksonville University. And so having a chance to watch Coach Warren every day for myself and Coach Hayes, NBA player, yeah. all of his experience. So I'm just fortunate to be here with these group of guys, and we're having a blast. No, that, that is special when the assistant coach empowers you to – to grow and do your job and doesn't micromanage. But again, you've done, you've been doing this almost two decades as a college assistant. What are some of the characteristics you think an assistant coach needs to possess in order to be really successful and thrive in their career? I think there are a couple things and I think you could apply this. You know, we talk to our players all the time about some of these, but it applies to us as assistants. You have to, you have to be humble. I think first and foremost, you have to recognize that, you know, we're here for our players first and foremost, and then it's our head coach. You know, we're there to support him, whatever role and assignment uh, he has for us on the staff within the organization. It's our job to do that. 
And, uh, you know, I think those two things are huge. And then just a self-awareness, you know, always as an assistant, you're always just trying to connect people, whether that's connect your team with your staff, whether it's your staff with other members of your staff, like you just want to be a connector. And I think if you have an awareness about you to where, you know, remember why you're coaching, what we're doing this for, you know, I think this profession can be so consuming Mm -hmm. and so competitive. And you're not only trying to win games, but you're trying to recruit and schedule and scout and develop. And sometimes you get so busy and you maybe uh, you forget kind of the big picture. So I, I just think humility, awareness, and just trying to remember what this thing's all about. That's good. I'm glad you mentioned humility. It, it brings me to a quote I, I heard last weekend at the Peach State Coaches Clinic uh, by Heath Esslinger. He said, you can oppose without dividing. So talk about how you, or you can use personal examples or, or not, how do, how do assistants or should assistants handle a disagreement with the, with the head coach without causing strife or, or a wall on the staff? Because I'm sure you've witnessed many situations where this has been handled correctly or incorrectly on both sides. Yeah, wow. That's, that's I think, uh, that, that's an awesome topic. And, I, you know, as an assistant coach, you know, I, I talk to other friends of mine that are assistants, but also head coaches too. I, I think this is something we all can get better in. And, uh, you know, I actually, speaking of quotes, I heard someone, I think it was one of John Gordon's podcasts, I believe his name was Scott Miller. He said something to where it's not just the people in an organization that are important, it's the relationships of those people. And so back to your question, I think that from a personal standpoint, I know early on, uh, I can't remember where or when or how, but I just, I've always tried to make it known and I've even said it in this way. You know, we, everyone says no egos. Well, I think you have to say that at times and you, you know, you want to make sure that you're living that way. Uh, so I wanted to make sure I remember early on, like, Hey, just so everyone knows like this, no egos here. You don't have to worry about me. And I think it's, it's important that you live that way, not just talk it. And, you know, every once in a while you might have a situation that comes up where there is a disagreement. And I think that's a, a skill that is very important because if at any time there's any dissension on a coaching staff, the players, they're so intelligent. They can pick up on it. And I think you end up undermining anything you're trying to do on the court when it comes to building a team, if there's, you know, if the staff's not in sync. So there might be a time where you have to maybe have a conversation and work something out. But I think there's a professional way to do that. But I think, you know, this this topic is so important. You know, you have to have chemistry and cohesion on your staff at all times. I love that you mentioned how players are very smart and intelligent and this generation is and they can and they can pick things up. So, yeah, I, I guess it's not the best thing, you know, for us. The coach says one thing, the assistant kind of gets to a player, says, hey, man, you know, between you and me, I agree with you or what. Like and then they're like, oh, my gosh, it's like kids pitting parents against each other, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I think if if you're if everyone's on the same page and by same page, I mean the page that the head coach, the leader has set. Um, and, and if everyone has good intentions and sticks to those, these these situations don't happen much, but they right. they, they could happen. But I, I do. I agree. It's it's something that, you know, Coach Lanier talks about all the time uh, perspective. He talks about, you know, we have an acronym that we talk about a lot with our team, ENAM. Uh, I-N-A-M, 
stands for it's not about me and you know he picked that up uh i believe it was from a navy seal friend of his that had spoken to a team somewhere along the line uh maybe with tennessee when he was there but if you live that as an assistant coach or if you live that as a head coach your players see that and you know this whole thing the the word culture now is, is so prevalent but it's just what you do and it's what what's observed and you can't fake it leads me again to another thought people say this a lot a lot of people who have never coached sports say this let's put it that way but even some to coach it they'll say well the head coach has got to be the bad cop and the assistants are kind of the good cop and they balance it out what are your thoughts about about that kind of mindset that people have about assistants versus head coaches is there any truth any truth to that yeah, that's interesting. I think there is truth to it if your head coach believes that. Uh, you know, so I, I think it always goes back to the head coach. He, it's his program, and it's our job as assistants to uh, make sure we do everything within our power to to do whatever he's asking us to do. But I, personally, my view on it is that uh, just speaking in real time here at Georgia State, Coach Lanier, when I say empowers us, he empowers us. So he wants us to be ourselves. He knows that Coach Warren, myself, Coach Hayes, we're all different people. We all have different uh, perspectives and different experiences in life. And he he has always wanted us to be ourselves. And I think when you do that, you, as an assistant, you're just you're given a, a level of confidence that whatever comes up, whether it's something in the training room that you see, something in the locker room, you hear somebody mumble something in practice underneath their breath. He's trusting us to handle it appropriately if it's something that he needs to know about he wants to know about it but if it's something that we can handle as assistants he wants us to do that and i think another thing just kind of thinking about it that i think as assistants you want to be solution based you don't want to just state the problem i learned that early in my career i think it's easy in scouting or whatever just to state the problem they know everyone knows the problems what's the right yeah so I, i think that's a huge thing uh, that's good. Uh, and again, I see this as I'm a, I've been a teacher for almost 20 years and then education and coaching. It's easy to sit around and just list the things that are wrong or complain, but then have no solution or nothing to deal with it. So then it just turns into a complaint fest and everyone leaves feeling pretty defeated as opposed to like, no, no, no you're right. Our team, well, for example, my team next year is one of the smallest teams I've ever had but it's also one of the quickest teams I've ever had. So am I going to gripe that we may get out-rebounded? Or we, am I going to gripe that maybe I don't have a bunch of six, four, six, five <laughs> guys? No, we're going to use our quickness, use our athleticism, use our speed uh, to, to play a style of basketball, not just gripe about you know size or whatever it may be for each, each individual coach. But that's good how you mentioned empower. Um, and, and even back to what I was originally saying, I mean, sometimes – I mean, you get a feel for the team and the practice, and you probably know, like, hey, I need to walk in, and today's the day I need to be, like, ultra, ultra encouraging to the team based on the night before or a loss or whatever is going on in the world at that time. So you guys get a feel for things and kind of understand, like, maybe what the guys, the team needs for me. That also aligns with the, you know, the, the goal and the mindset of the head coach. coaches i have to take a minute here to brag on my good friends at dr dish dr dish is unbelievable hundreds of drills you can do with the dr dish shooting machine 
They track your player's shooting. You can track your team's shooting. The players have the individual app. It is so user-friendly. But I want to make sure you know how you can get a Dr. Dish using their one-year no-interest payment plan. That's what I did. I'm in a small school, not a large budget. I paid half up front, and I paid the remainder over the next year at no interest. So contact Dr. Dish, mention this podcast, receive an extra discount, and they will take care of you. Now, back to the podcast. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's coaching. You know, that's uh, teaching. You know, coaching and teaching to me are the same. And if you walk into, uh, you know, I believe you said you're teaching economics, you walk into the class and on a certain day, you notice Jill and Joe, they're not feeling it that day. You know, you're going to talk to them and you're going to try to see what's going on and build them up. And so I think for the same, you know, in the same way as coaches, especially like this past in a year like this past year where there was so much going on, it would have been low feel, bad leadership for us to not be sensitive to any of that. So I think that's coaching and I think that's a feel that you develop. And it's like they all they always say, you know, they don't, they don't care about what you know until they know that you care. And, you know, that's, to me, that's one of the the most enjoyable parts of coaching. Yeah, that's true. It is relationships based uh, career teaching and coaching for sure. Especially when you're dealing with, you know, I deal with teenagers all the time. You deal with guys in their late teens, early twenties. Um, and we're trying to help them prepare for life and handle, you know, how difficult life can be. Well, let's just dive into some, you know, specific responsibilities you've had over the years and maybe each staff has changed, but what, what are, um, what are responsibilities you, or how do y'all break up responsibilities at practice? You know, not individual workouts, but when the whole team's out there, coach Lanier, and what are some different responsibilities you've had at some of your other jobs as well uh, during practice? Yeah, you know, I've had the opportunity to work uh, for some really good head coaches. And what you'll find, the longer you coach, as you know, there's different ways to do things. And that's been enjoyable for me to see different ways. And, you know, whether it was as a player playing for different uh, coaches and learning things as a player that you always try to keep close, you know, as, as a coach also have taken different things. So Coach Lanier here, he wants us all to, as assistants, to aspire to be head coaches. And that's why him empowering us is so important because he's trying to prepare us for that. So we don't do, you know, some, some places right now are doing the coordinator thing, offense, defense, specials. Uh, he wants us to do it all. So from player development, yeah, we'll break down by position and have some more position specific things. Uh, but as far as scouting, offense, defense, specials, side outs, baseline out of bounds, late game, he wants us to to watch and see everything. And he wants, because of we, because we have so such good chemistry as a staff, we can do that. You know, we're constantly meeting, uh, not in set, let's say uh, 9 a.m. staff meetings all the time, but throughout the day, we're in each other's offices, we're on the board, we're on the, uh, you know, just talking things through. And so when you do, when you have those relationships as a staff, things organically happen all day long. And yeah. uh, so, that's how he does it. I've worked for uh, some guys that like the coordinator thing, and I, I did like pieces of that. Um, there's some different ways to organize that, and that gets tricky when it comes to combining that with recruiting on a normal year where you're out recruiting and you break down uh, by coordinators and scouts a certain way. It makes it hard to be away from campus recruiting because everyone's needed to do certain things with that process. So there's pros and cons to all that. 
Um, I've been fortunate to work in both settings and I've just tried to learn and soak up to where, you know, if I'm ever fortunate to be a head coach, you know, I, I have a, my own preference about how to do it. Yeah, that, that's really good. I mean, I'm sure you, you have, well, you do have years and years of knowledge from different head coaches and you probably have mental notes of when you're a head coach one day, like this is what I'll take away that I really loved, or here's some things I might do a little different to organize your staff and, and your practices. How do you see, or what are some good ways to use? Cause again, there's a lot of high school coaches listen to this podcast, a lot of college coaches, some have multiple staff members. Some just have a one or two, depending on the level of, of, you know, their high school or college, but, what about bench responsibilities? What what, are you, what is your responsibility on, on the bench? Are you just eyes and ears watching? Are you supposed to track and look at specific specific stats or actions? Yeah, game responsibility-wise, we do have that delegated. Uh, personally, I'll watch more offense. Uh, and we, we have guys, you know, split up between GAs, uh, our ops guys, our assistants. And that's the other thing. He, he uses everyone. He wants our GAs to be involved in everything. Nice. So they – so they uh, start developing their set of eyes and logging the game and things like that. So I'm watching a lot of offense uh, this year. Uh, coach gave me that, and I I've enjoyed having that freedom to uh, improve myself offensively as a coach. And uh, so I, I think the biggest thing with game management is, you know, just staying organized as a staff. What are you charting? Coach Warren is focused on the defense. He's keeping track of kills, three stops, we call them. We're trying to get a certain number. We're talking about it. Uh, Coach Hayes, he's watching, you know, different things. So what I would say is something I, I really like that we did here this year. After every game, we have a hustle chart, and that's a defensive uh, metric system that we use. So after the game, we'll come on in the film room, put it up on the screen, and we'll go over that so we know collectively what we did. And that comes from film rather than live tracking. And then this year we implemented a shot quality system. And so offensively, we'll put that on the board. We'll talk about it. It was a zero to five scale. Uh, we were trying to get better, you know, with the type of shots we were taking and talking about taking care of the ball a little bit better. And so it was a metric we used. So we had a defensive metric post game and we had an offensive metric. And those two systems, I felt like, you know, the guys really bought into and you could see now going into year three, I think those things will help us. Do you mind talking about that zero to five shot metric or how you rated a shot? Yeah. And I'll say we, uh, you know, what we, what we did wasn't anything uh, revolutionary. It was actually something that we picked up, you know, from some of these zoom calls this past off season, but, you know, starting with a zero and a one being turnovers and a five being the highest quality shot uh, being a, a layup uh, an open three, so zero being a, uh, a live ball turnover, a one being a dead ball turnover, mm -hmm. and then you assign uh, values to that. And what we did, we didn't want to stick to the numbers per se from a zero, you know, let's say a three or a four could vary personnel wise, you know, someone that maybe, you know, we were not anti mid-range twos uh, exclusively. So, you know, if a guy works on a, a pull-up jump shot that on somebody's scale might be a two or a three, you know, if a guy has proven he, he shoots that shot consistently, we'll give him a four for that shot. So it was a scale we kind of predetermined uh, going into the season. But, you know, we implemented a new offense this year, uh, a 3-2 motion pick and roll. Ryan Pannone, uh, 
was actually kind of the mastermind, him and Oded Katesh, uh, his system. He helped us uh, not only study it this offseason, but implement it. Everything uh, we ran offensively flowed into it. Uh, we felt like it was going to fit our personnel. We wanted to play two bigs, and it, it was perfect for that. Well, within that system, a lot of different types of shots were going to manifest themselves. Open threes, catch-and-shoot corner threes, transition threes, threes off the dribble, threes behind a ball screen, coming off, using it, refusing it to a three, pull up two. So all of these shots that we were getting, what we wanted to try to help our guys with without paralyzing them and slowing them down, we wanted them just to say, hey, look, if we can cut our turnovers, the zeros and the ones, if we can limit those and we can take more fours and fives, which for us, like I said, a five catch and shoot three, a open shot, that's a five uh, or an open layup. And then a four off the dribble three, let's say it, uh, though, once you, once you start uh, getting familiar with the system, we found that everybody started buying into the roles a little bit more. And at the end of the day, it was about, is this a good shot for our team is we want fours and fives. And so the system didn't paralyze us. I believe it really helped us. Well, I mean, it helps players understand. And then when you go watch film and watch shots, you can say, Hey, we just had three zeros in a row. And we had a bunch of three shots, but then we had a span of five fives in a row. I think players really relate to things like that. They, they like things that are easily me measurable, and so do coaches. Yeah. So, what we defensively, we said, you know, we gave them a number on the hustle chart defensively that if we reach this number, we don't lose. And then offensively, same thing. We, we average it out. Each player on the chart would have his average 3.4, 3.8. And as a team, if we were, let's say, a 3.4, we didn't lose. So we kind of use some metrics like that. So the hustle chart, is that like hustle plays, like individual, you know, deflection, steals, uh, diving, whatever? I mean, or is that just – let's talk about that just a minute if you don't mind. If you are a coach who runs camps and clinics, I'd like to introduce you to Inner Pro Sports. Coaches everywhere are using Inner Pro to provide their campers with individualized strength and conditioning, mental performance training, and personal nutrition metrics all to their phone. It's easy to implement and will make your camp more profitable. To learn more, email them at train at innerpro.com. That's train at innerpro, I-N-N-E-R pro.com. Yeah, once again, I, I think it, it should vary based on how you play uh, defensively. You know, for us, it's more of, it's not a statistical category, it's an effort play. So shot goes up, did you block out, yes or no? If you did, one for one. If you didn't, oh for one. And you tally those up and, you know, you assign whatever is important to you and within your system, uh, you know, for us, block outs, obviously, uh, huge and you you set your you set your chart up you you assign value and at the end of the day you you are able to track percentages and it's not to us it's a concentration it's a it's an effort thing and it's did you do your job that's that's what we're that's what we're looking for and so for us when we reached a certain number when we were eight, over eighty five percent we felt like we were hard to beat. Yeah, you do that 80, 85% and you shoot 3.4, 3.5. You're probably, I mean, really, really hard to beat on those nights. 
Yeah, transition D, uh, you know, shot goes up. What's your assignment based on how you're playing defensively? What do you want your guys doing? Are they getting back? Are they crashing? Shot goes up. Did they do their job? If they did, one out of one. If they didn't, zero out of one. So within your columns, you can have as many columns as you want. Um, I've In studying some other teams and how they do it, some are more complicated than others. But pick what's important to you. Back to you said it. Uh, you know, you get what you reward. It's a way that we felt like uh, collectively, if we play a little harder, concentrate a little harder, do our job a little better, obviously that's going to help us defensively. And offensively, the biggest thing we talked about this year was shot selection. And so th this system, it's not the end-all be-all, but what it created were was a lot of conversations. We could pull a kid and, you know, watch some film with him. Hey, what, what do you think about this shot here? Oh, you know what, coach, he went under. Anytime somebody goes under a ball screen, we tell our guards to shoot it uh, or it's an automatic rescreen. Well, so he knows if he shoots it, it's a four. We practice them. Um, now, if it's a contested trap, aggressive coverage, and he, and he hoists it, okay, that's not a four. Uh, and we're giving that a different value. So just, uh, just helping guys understand what is a good shot within our system. No, that, that, that's really good. I like how you keep saying do your job, but that's the one thing I probably say more than anything, uh, probably put that in the locker room. Like if everybody realizes each play or each moment, there's five different jobs and yours may be the one no fans notice, no one notices, nobody on ESPN, but it's that weak side box out. It's that, you know, tagging the roll, the guy rolling. Just those things are huge. If five guys do their job, then really good things happen more often than not. No, that's, I think that's what it's about and getting guys to buy in, uh, you know, so the way we use it, and I think this is really where it's at, you know, it's not just the chart, you know, the, the chart is not the end all be all. It's right. about how are you going to use this information to be watching film with your team or, you know, as a team or individually, and you're, everyone's looking at the number. There's a certain level of peer pressure with it where, you know, guys are like, man, I'm 65%. I was 60% last game. I'm getting better. Or, man, I was 65, 64, 60. Like, something's got to give here. Like, yeah. do I want to do this or not? Am I trying to win? Because if you're trying to win, you're going to do your job. I want to segue into another topic uh, just, just briefly. Because you're married, have a child, and being a Division One assistant coach is, is a really, really busy job. I mean, I don't think people understand the hours um, – that you guys put in so how do you make sure you have a good balance between family and, and career i think that is personally that's my biggest challenge uh that's something that you know when my wife heather uh who has been awesome through my journey as a coach you know she's the only reason that i'm still coaching to be honest with you she's been supportive and uh moving across country and all that and then when we had livia you know, they always, I used to hear people say all the time, when you're a father, it changes you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it does. And so what I've been fortunate back to this whole topic of being an assistant, I've made a conscious decision. I want to work for guys that value family and that are going to give me time to eat dinner with my family uh, more times than not and have a relationship with my daughter. And I think it's up to me. I can do a better job balancing uh, at times. I can put the phone down more at times, uh, but I, I do think that it's our society. I mean, 
you know, things are 24 seven now with phones and all that. But I, I think as an assistant, if you're working for a, a head coach that he values family and he want as long as you're getting your, the job done, he wants you to be able to do both, be a high level father, husband and coach. Um, I found that you can do it. It just, it, it takes some accountability. You know, I have some friends that I can pick up the phone and call and vend and, uh, you know, have them give me some wisdom at, at times as well with it. But it's 100% the hardest, I think, challenge of being an assistant coach. I'll bet. And again, that's what a lot of people say. And even me and in, in the, when the season's going on, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to balance and keep priorities um, aligned. And that's why it's good to have, like you said, a, a good close inner circle that you can talk to and kind kind of hold you accountable. Well, well, coach, thank, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, any last thoughts you have about uh, in, a lot of guys listen to the podcast or assistants. They, they want to be a head coach one day at the college or high school level. Any last words of encouragement for that, that coach who's listening? Yeah, no, I would just say, you know, first of all, thanks for this opportunity. I really do appreciate it. Uh, I listen to a lot of your podcasts in the morning while I'm working out. And I, think I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I've learned a lot. And I think as an assistant coach, that's what it's about. Always trying to be a lifelong learner, uh, try to learn from others as much as we can, because, you know, there's just so there's no excuse now with technology for not learning, getting better. And uh, with with all this information and opportunity, we have to take advantage of it. So I think that's what it's about as an assistant, as you aspire to be a head coach, get better every day, yep. treat people the right way. And uh, the rest will work out. Well, those are great words to, t to take us out, Coach. Well, we need to have you on again to talk about some other defensive and offensive topics. But, again, thanks for taking the time to spend with us. And I, I hope as things are normal uh, later this year, I can uh, shoot down the road and catch a Georgia State game. For sure, Matt. Come through anytime. Thanks for listening to the United Basketball and Leadership Podcast. Please take a moment to leave us a review and also leave a comment about what you enjoyed most about today's guest. I hope you'll join us on our next episode.